This episode of Fermented Adventure the Podcast features Amanda Burrows and Kachenta Bennett. It was recorded at 10th Ward Distilling Company in Frederick, Maryland. Please take a moment to subscribe to be notified when the most recent episode has been uploaded. Feel free to reach out to 10th Ward Distilling and let them know what you thought about the podcast. Cheers! Hello, ladies and gentlemen, craft spirit enthusiasts, and those interested in the intoxicating world of craft distilleries, cideries, meaderies, wineries, and the occasional foray into breweries. It's Rich Shane, and welcome to Fermented Adventure, the podcast, where we bring you the fascinating people that are making the mash, fermenting, distilling, bottling, pouring, and delivering to you some of the finest libations in the world. Before we get started, here are a few housekeeping items. Thank you for bringing the podcast into wherever you are and whatever you're doing. We truly are grateful that you've chosen to listen and make us part of your day. It would mean the world to us if you left a five-star review. This helps us climb in the rankings, and it makes it easier for others to find us. Don't hesitate to leave us your comments as well. If the podcast didn't meet your expectations, tell us why. We're always striving to improve. You can find us at fermentedadventure.com. We are on Instagram and Facebook as Fermented Adventure. Email us at fermentedadventure at gmail.com. All right, FA Nation, let's meet our guests. We're here at 10th Ward Distilling Company in Frederick, Maryland. I'm here with Kachenta and Amanda and Dawn's here, and this is Fermented Adventure, the podcast. I am Rich Shane, and we are very excited to be here. So we were here a couple of years ago when you first opened this location. None of where we are today was here. It right. was almost like the week you opened. Yeah. How did this distillery get started? How did this all happen? From the very beginning. From the very like conception of it all. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. our owner, Monica Pierce, she is this amazing little... Firecracker. Firecracker of a woman. She was in conservation biology before. Yes. Um, she was had nothing to do with the craft beverage industry at all, other than being probably bartenders and servers through college and whatnot. Um, she was. She said she was working one day. She realized she just wanted to quit her job and open up her own business. Um, and she was always passionate about whiskey in terms of just drinking it as a consumer. Um, and she emptied her bank account completely. Like, everything. She always says, I took all the money I had in my pocket, put it down, and a year later, had a distillery. Now, what year are we talking about right this now? This was four years ago. Four years ago. So, so we're... five two, years ago from... 2015. Mm-hmm. And this... You have a different location, which is where the distillery is. That's correct. And this is like your barrel room and tap house and tasting room, right? Yes. And we're pretty much in the heart of Frederick right now. Yes, we are. Okay. So... 2015, take all the money I have and open up. I mean, but was there any, was there any experiment? I mean, just how was the education process for learning how to open a distillery? Do you have any idea how that I kind of came about? I know that she kind of just asked around. She's she's like super like when and she we, wants to we, find we, it we've out. We've met Monica, yeah. and, and, and that impression out, is there. She'll figure it out. She's so very I know. Yeah, yeah, she just will call up people in the industry that have done it. Hey, how'd you do this? Okay, how, how should I do this? And she'll just work it out. Um, she started, um, well, I think, with just four products, yeah. and you know you can't just brew beer like you brew beer in your basement or your kitchen and you can't home distill. No, you can't. No. The, the so government's I, not... I know that they, they frown upon that. It's probably a little bit more challenging. <laughs> and a lot more dangerous. And a lot more dangerous. But um, she found a partner that are, that originally was the distiller. She was the brains and uh, the business development and all of that. Um, since the, her partner has left and, and now it's just solely hers. Um, yeah. 
So that's how everything got started. You opened up the Mean Distillery, I guess, for a little bit. That yeah. was a tasting room. Yes. And so then the this spot house, opened up. Yeah, so the still house on East Church Street, a couple blocks away, was the still house, the tasting room. The warehouse. The warehouse, everything. You could probably fit, I don't know, like five people in the front for tasting. It is very tiny. It's very small. Um, I remember I remember going in as a customer um, with just a couple of friends and did a tasting. And it is a small little space. And... I think, what, a year, year and a half later, she expanded here mm-hmm. and had the great ideas, you know, the con- the, the cocktails and the cocktail lab and expanding the front of house. And, and then we expanded upstairs also, so now yeah. we have event space as well. That was just a bonus. So, Kajenta, you're the assistant distiller. Yes. How did you find your way into distilling? Well, um... I was originally a teacher, and um, I so was a science teacher. You're a teacher, so that yeah. you want to. When you're done, you want to drink. Very Lots of so. them. Oh yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Um, a lot of amateur research, I'd say. Um, but it's kind of like the legal version of Breaking Bad. Um, I had to leave my job. Um, my daughter has a lot of health needs, um, and once things started to even out, I wanted to go back to work, but I needed something that was a lot more flexible. So I started um, bartending at a brewery, and I would just. Like Monica, I would ask, hey, what's that? What are you doing? How come this works? What do you do that? What happens if you do this? You know, just peppering with questions. And I wanted to start helping out in the brewery behind the scenes as well. I figured, you know, whatever I was doing. Do you want to give a shout out to the brewery as to where you got your start? absolutely. It is Rockwell Brewery. (laughs) It is on East 9th Street. Um, It is amazing. Um, They have a lot of great beers there. About 15 beers on tap right now. So who owns Rockwell Brewery? Matt Thrasher and Paul Tinney. There you go. And Scott McKernan is the brewer who showed me all the ropes. And I would just come in there while my daughter was at pre-K. I had a little notebook and I would ask and I would shadow and I'd write things down and I would sketch diagrams. And, you know, eventually it got to the point where I was like kind of helping out a bit. Um, and I was hoping to really come on full time as an assistant, and I would help. I would uh, fix things if uh, you know I was running the bar or whatever, and something fit, something broke or whatever. I would just you know start working around it. And then um, I was approached at the end of 2019 to see, um, hey, you know, I know you want to be a brewer, but would you be interested in distilling? And I was like, I don't know, I'm not sure. And they're like, we'll we'll work it out. Let we're looking for a woman. We want to be you know, um, we want to be expanding operations, and so that's how I came on with uh, 10th Ward. And that's been all, it'll be a year in January. That's exciting. So you had hesitations about going from a brewery to a distillery. Yeah. How's it feel now for you? Was it just the apprehension of, I know beer, but that whole distilling thing seems like a whole different world. Yeah, I mean, it was just finding a way to connect one set of knowledge to another and just making sure like I just want to do a good job wherever I am whatever I'm doing so I didn't want to go in there and totally flop if I knew nothing like how fast would I pick it up that's what I was concerned with it sounds like from your experience with being at the brewery and now where you've come from it, that, that that doesn't seem to happen you don't flop right. you you have a way of figuring things out yeah. and you're comfortable you seem inquisitive yes very okay. much so for you, Amanda, how did you come on board here? What was your experience for, for joining the distillery? Sure. Yeah, so I met Monica through a friend of a friend. She knew a girl that I went to high school with who lives across the street and was having some friends over. And I came over and Monica was there. And I remembered Monica 
from doing a tasting at Tenth Ward, and I was like, oh my god, that's the boss lady, she calls herself the boss lady, I was like, oh my god, she owns that distillery, I was like, totally fangirling her, it was so Yeah, weird. it's so cool. Uh, I'm like, that's so cool, but um, she was talking to me about how she was getting some new labels designed, and she was totally changing her packaging strategy, and introducing the weirdos, which is like the characters we have. That's what they're called, weirdos? Our weirdos. Okay. They have their own names. And um, she said, I'm working with this designer that I found online. This is kind of the vibe I'm going for. And I do graphic design. That was where I started out of college and have my training in. Um, And I said, well, I can do that. Uh, And I can do other stuff, too, if you you need extra help. So I started helping her just freelance part-time on the side. I worked at a law firm um, and did marketing for them. Um, And I loved it. I loved, obviously, the creativity that I got to do with the, the labels and other things around the distillery. But actually like the product it's one thing to do like a job because you have a job but it's one thing to do a job and really love it and I I realized that I did and when she moved here she said okay I need somebody full-time would you want to do it and I was like yeah uh uh-huh yeah I'm gonna do it so I quit my job I moved um I moved in here full-time and I've been here for two and a half years now how did the name 10th word come about yeah. So, so what's the inception of the name? Yeah, so the big Roman numeral X, everyone always asks. So the 10th Ward, so Frederick City used to be districted into wards. I think it was like the early 17 or 1800s. Mm-hmm. And they were actually separated into um, districts of industry. And I think the 10th Ward, where our still house is actually located, was like all the industrial type buildings that were positioned around the city to where, like, the, the wind would blow, like, the yeah, smoke and Yeah, they were on the smog. creek where stuff would get yeah, dumped down. Yeah, so all these industrial buildings, if you go drive over to our still house, you, some of them are still there. And I think she just really liked that idea. It just sounded cool. Tenth Ward, the Roman numeral X. It makes a statement. I think it was originally she was considering Carroll Creek Whiskey Company or Carroll Creek Whiskey something. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't ring it. It's not as cool. I like the name. Yeah, I, I, I do. It's a it, cool name. It's, it's a very, um, it stands out. It's yeah. it, it's kind of like very um, aggressive in a way. It does. The, the, that X draws you right to the bottle. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have the different colors. But these weirdos, so so what's the inception of the weirdos? Yeah. I didn't know they were called weirdos. Yeah. They look very, I, I would say, steampunkish in a way. Sure, I've right? heard that before. Um, so the weirdos represent the spirit. So each, each weirdo is made up of elements of either some of the ingredients or representation of, like, so the absinthe. Absinthe, you're always associating with the absinthe fairy, the little green fairy, so we knew we had to have a fairy. But she's got those weird steampunk kind of goggles on, so we also have to make it weird. We're 10th Ward, our slogan's Ward Off Ordinary, we're a little funky, not traditional, so we had to put a little twist on the fairy. Um, Honey Jack, obviously a honeybee, but he's the king, so he's he's got a crown on, he's got his... What else does he have? He's got his pole, his his little walking stick. His walking stick. Um, so his yeah, dapper jacket. His, his name dapper is Jackie, jacket. right? I don't remember. We named them, but I yeah. I, for, I forget. I feel like his name is Jackie. What's really cool is, <laughs> and it, it seems to me. And, and watching you on social media and visiting here, and you look around, even this location, mm-hmm. everything is thought out. That's my every thing. everything yeah. has a purpose, and it's not things don't happen by accident. Mm-mm. And I think. From a standpoint where, Amanda, you've come to work here, mm-hmm. and Concenta, you've come to work here, I, I don't sense that a lot of that's happened by accident. I think you even mentioned that, um, I guess, Monica was looking for a, a female to come on board. Yeah. 
This is an industry that's now becoming more prominent in female distillers, female-owned distilleries. How do you feel being a part of that? What, what's your sense of, of a place for that? It's a sense of huge pride and also responsibility because you don't want to just be a flash in the pan or a face that's just like, hey, look at me, I'm a distiller. You really want to be able to be a serious um be a serious provider, you want to be able to really um, uphold the name, you want to be able to have accomplishments under your belt, you don't want to just have a gimmick. I mean, one of the things that I really like about the way that 10th Ward is run is that because Monica is so detail-oriented, everything is very deliberate. So like like you were saying, that it's very thought out, it's on purpose, you can see that there's a purpose, there's a plan, there's a mission. It's not just like, hey, we're going to fly by the seat of our pants, we'll figure it out. You know, she's much more analytical. Yeah, yeah, she's much more structured. Also. I even bet that you knew we were coming today, so you purposely leaked the barrel so this room would smell so great the way it does. No, 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 no. No, you sure? Absolutely Fermented adventures on their way, leak a barrel somewhere, right? No. I mean, I would, I would pop a cork and let you sniff it, but I would never okay. smell the barrel. No, I guess you don't want to start putting that on the floor, right? No. no. What was it like for you as you started distilling? What was it like now? You, you've learned how to do brewing, mm-hmm. but now you're starting to transfer that over to distilling. What was that like for you? What was that the process for you like? Um, it was a lot of hesitation. I think the, the boiler is big and loud and hot. Um, and also the there's something called like the uh, sombrero death, which is like the vapors that hang over the distillery. Okay, I, that's something new. I love this. <laughs> We're learning about the sombrero of death. Yeah. This to me is sounds like real? it should be. Yes, it is. This should be a cocktail. Of all the tours we've taken, nobody's talking about, nobody's said anything about the sombrero of death in any of the distilleries we've been to. It's kind of this, it's this concept that, you know, the the vapors are hanging over in the distillery and that it's, you know, highly flammable and you don't want to, that, that's my understanding anyway. I'm hoping to never encounter it or meet it in the, in the flesh, um, God forbid, knock wood and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just something to be aware of. It's, 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 it's. It's not pretty. It's like, it's gross. You know, there's fermented stuff, which kind of smells, you know, a little funky. It's like the good side of when something starts to go bad. I don't know how to You really... can appreciate it. Yeah, I can appreciate it, but other people will walk in and be like, No, that, yeah, that's yeah. a funky smell. Exactly. Yeah. I'll be like, oh, yeah, that rye's coming along real nice, you know? <laughs> so, um, it, it smells weird. Um, it's messy when things spill, you know, not just the beautiful bourbon that spilled, but also when mash itself spills, it's hot, it's, you know... Yeah, you're, you're, you're over 200 degrees at that point, easy. Yeah, you can be. I mean, if you look at my wrist right here, this was from the mash tun. I was lifting the lid the wrong way, and it this, this is from the steam that got me, you know? So, I mean, we really put a lot of ourselves into you it. You broke it, you broke, it was it was just like that breaking in moment. smoky flavor, yeah. and it, you know, <laughs> my special blend, yeah. Now, now Mark's the head distiller? Yes. So you've really come under his wing. Yes. Um, are there things right now that are being distilled that have your mark on them? I don't want to say mark and mark, but uh, yeah. are, are there things that you're working on or things now that you have a curiosity about distilling? Um, all of the recipes that we're currently using are have been written before I came in. However, Mark and I, we had just sat down, I guess like two weeks ago, and we started thinking about what we wanted to do for summer, um, if we wanted to make any changes, if we want to do like a revamp. And so we started going over a lot of different 
um, ideas and um, bases and aromatics that we wanted to play with and kind of revamp it and change the color and everything. So, well, for summertime? Yeah, for summertime. We're thinking, well, we think that the red is a little close to the other reds that we have. Like the red of the summertime is close to this. Britain's Brandy, Slow Gin. And uh, winter also, so we wanted mm. to kind of switch it up, you know, kind of give us a, a gotcha. wider range of things. Um, so right now we don't have anything, but I was kind of hoping to go with a more floral. Um, I like more exotic things. Everything we use at Tenth Ward is domestically sourced. So um, that's one silver lining in the pandemic is that we, our supply chain wasn't as disrupted from people who were sourcing things outside of the mm. country. We were still able to get a lot of our stuff, so we weren't. Uh, impacted in that way but if I want to get something more exotic I have to make sure that it's grown domestically and it's something that we can get so to cap it off nothing that we have now I've written but soon hopefully okay yeah and you know you touched on um COVID Mm -hmm. and I think where are we in terms of how you know either either Frederick or how your business has been impacted over the last six seven months Mm -hmm. How has COVID affected the distillery? What have you learned from it? What have you grown from it? What, what's really been limitations for you? And, you know, how do you see yourself moving forward from, from the pandemic? Well, we, we did shift um, to produce. We started producing hand sanitizer, um, and then we changed to surface cleaner, um, and we sell, like, you know, the gallon jugs of it. Um, we also had, I think it was 80,000 pounds of um, molasses donated from Domino Sugar um, that we had used to turn it into the hand the surface cleaner um and we actually uh domino donated um a portion of that to some um businesses uh, or nonprofits that needed it um so learning how to kind of quickly pivot and make um an essential product instead of just kind of like a luxury or you know an aspirational product was a huge thing um a lot of the distilleries and breweries um and a lot of service industry in frederick i was pleasantly surprised to see everybody kind of like come together and really um not just say we're in this together but actually demonstrate it you know there was a lot of um outreach there were a lot of people kind of um sharing networks and saying hey let's go here let's go there make sure you go to this place make sure you go that place and people trying to uplift others it wasn't just kind of like a free-for-all because this town is heavily dependent on the service industry and the tourist industry, and we would just be a ghost town without, you know, making sure we could rely on each other. So how were sales impacted? I mean, I, and for Maryland, how did they, you know, kind of take as far as how you could sell your product? Right. So we were lucky to, to be considered essential. So we didn't ever have to close completely. We were able to do takeout sales. People could do curbside pickup. But people couldn't come in here. And they couldn't do a tasting. And that's our that's where we... Not where we get people, but that's where we introduce people is get them. You to become a taste they it. become your raving fans right. because they taste it, we and there may be some apprehension it. to just buy a whole exactly. bottle if they've never tasted right. it. Right. We walk them through the tasting notes, and we teach them how to taste it properly and what to look for, and then they fall in love with it. It's hard to explain that. It just you know, um, without trying it. Same thing with um, farmers markets and stuff. We're still mm-hmm. not able to do tasting, so it's usually just a lot of our repeat customers restocking. So that, I mean, that was a, a challenge, but we got creative with our to-go offerings, and like everyone else did, we did, like, to-go cocktails, to-go cocktail kits, to-go bottle bundles, which we... We did have an e-tasting at one point. We did. It was like we a... We did. It was a, like an Instagram Live, and we yeah. sold 
um, kind of the little condiment cups. Yes, but that we full filled of with a half an different ounce. spirits. Yeah, so you would follow along on Instagram. Oh, that sounds fun. That sounds like a lot of fun. Oh, that's where the spirit was. Yeah. Online. <laughs> so we put that online, and actually, a modern bar cart created that for us. Mm -hmm. um, so that they can follow along and it helps you identify certain aromas and, and tastes so you can really pinpoint and articulate what you're what you're smelling, what you're tasting. So that was fun. Yeah. But that was like a lot, a lot of work, but it was fun. Yeah, you guys were really, really just cranking it out. Well, I couldn't believe the ideas you guys had. We have a weekly team meeting. Our whole management team gets together and we pretty much just brainstorm. And so every week we're like, okay, let's try this, let's try this, let's try something new. Let's see if this works. And it's just trial and error, really. Do you really feel like this period that you've gone through has made the distillery better? Has it made you better and even stronger at moving forward? I think so. I think it, it taught us that okay, we we can be creative, we can figure things out together, we can rely on each other, like, it was a, it was a hard time, each week we were, like, very, I can't even articulate it, it was just... I think because we're not totally out of it yet, I yeah. mean, nobody knows when this is right. over, over, so... It seems like, I, I guess, maybe we just want to exhale... And, yeah. and, and feel that the and hard part's like over, we're, right? We're, clo we're yeah. close. We're almost there. But, but you just don't know what... Yeah. Now right. that you yeah. kind of bring this next... Right. You don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, right? right? So, in, and in terms of, like, our event space. So, when we moved here, it was just a bonus that we have this giant second floor. We didn't ever intend to do events or weddings. That was not part of our business plan. But we were like, we can't just let it sit there empty. And it would be a great source of income. So we were booking tons of weddings our, our first year we were here, tons of weddings, and then COVID, and then we had none. And that became, like, something we kind of relied on, so we had to be creative. We came up with, like, micro-weddings micro weddings and pop-up weddings. So we just had, in September, we had five mini-weddings in one day, and we included all the vendors. And so it was basically, you show up with your 20 best friends and family members, and we've got you covered with all the other things. And people really loved that. So we're doing it again in November. So when nobody was booking a regular size wedding, we were able to book ten small weddings back to back. So it was just like, okay, let we can. Yeah, this is out. where you pivot. Yeah. This is where you become creative. And yeah. it sounds like everybody. What I hear is this is a team effort. It is. You re, everybody has a sense of ownership or a yeah. sense of Very hey, so. I'm going to help create something or bring this to the next level. Yeah, and we're lucky that we all have we have a great team, and it sounds cliche that. We all have our, like, strengths, and we all work well together, but we do. Um, it's well-crafted. It is well-crafted. I think Monica did a good job bringing us all together. Mark is fantastic and super savvy, and we're just... Is that, where, is that where the ready-to-drink cocktails have come from? You're going to start canning some cocktails? Yes. Because you have a really great cocktail menu. Yes. And I think for the public to... I think your public and your, your your regulars and even, you know, people like us who show up once and want to try everything, your cocktails are amazing. Yeah. Um, I think we had one and there was like one choice when you first opened. Yeah. It was, there was very limited. Yeah. It was like, menu. yeah, very yeah. limited. We have yeah. like maybe like 20 cocktails. So we're testing them out right now, just kind of like shelf stability, different, uh, different mixes, um, different ingredients just making sure that things are going to be at their optimal flavor and experience when you do open that can up finally um and hopefully we'll have a wide distribution um just as almost as wide as our spirits yeah 
so that even if even if you can't make it here, I mean, I know like we are in like every liquor store in Montgomery County, so you can go over there and just pick one up off the shelf as well. Yeah. So, what are some of the flavors going? Yeah. Here? So, what are some of the cocktail flavors? So, our flavors? first one that we're going to do is our Corpse Reviver, and that is our um, take on a classic Corpse Reviver cocktail that we make with our gin. Our Absinthe Nouvelle, we've got chai vanilla syrup in there. I think we've got some lemon juice. Um, I think that might be it. Maybe some bitters of some sort. But it's really popular. People love it. People freak out about it. It's easy to drink. Yes. It's so easy to drink. It's too easy to drink. Um, so that's the first one. So we've just finalized um, the label design. So we know what it's going to look like. It has this really cool skeleton lady lounging on a beach, drinking like a martini. Um, and now we're just trying to find a good can distributor, and that's going to hopefully come out before the end of the year. And I guess this will dovetail. I mean, right now, it's the beginning of October. Yeah. People are starting to think about holidays and mm-hmm. giving either bottles or gift sets. And yep. Is that something you're working on now, too? Yeah. yeah. Um, we have gift sets that are um, going to be available for, like, the holidays. They've already started putting them together, so it's like a box, you open it, and it's got, like, that nice little stuffing, and it's an actual bottle of the spirits and a glass, and then a couple other things that go with it so that you can make, like, a cocktail or two. Um, and it's just a beautiful presentation to just kind of give to somebody and just say, hey, you know, instead of just, like, bottle yeah. in the in the paper bag, you know, and just come to the Christmas party. This is the whole <laughs> oh, experience. like, like yeah. how we do it. Right, yeah. <laughs> If I am not from Montgomery County sure. and I am not from Frederick, are you able to ship outside of Maryland or not no, yet. not yet, not no distribution yet? We're still yet. kind of navigating those restrictions. Um, I think they've allowed they've allowed it, right? They've, it's like they've kind of loosened a couple it, things, they, yeah. yeah. But we're just trying to figure out how that'll work for us. And at the time that we're sitting down yeah. right now, there's some limited distribution. Mm-hmm. Really, what you want people to do now is come to Frederick, and I'm sure there are um, some some of the stores, liquor stores in the area yeah. Yeah. that are still selling your product. Absolutely. So you do have that impact there, and yeah. maybe just not just Montgomery County, but through the statewide NTC. system, right? Yeah, okay. we're in DC. Good. So when people hear this, and they are more curious, and they're close, they can stop by and, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. or, you know, Dawn and I would be more than happy to fly out a bottle. If you yeah. pay for our airfare, <laughs> we'll bring it with you, with us, and, and bring it to you. Let's talk about some of your products. Okay. Let's talk about some of your spirits. What was the first spirit that was produced here? What was the first one that kind of rolled off? Was that the absinthe or? No, that came, I think, a year in. I think it was her Claude County corn whiskey. I want to say that's one of the first, at least. It was a variation of the smoked corn whiskey, I believe. I know she always worked with Rusty, our farmer in West Virginia, Charleston, West Virginia, who grows our corn, he smokes it on site, and grows our barley and our rye and, and malts those on site. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask a really, I'm gonna, yeah. so what kind of corn? Yellow corn. Okay, it's yellow corn, okay. And then he smokes it with like a proprietary like yeah. blend that he the secret. Originally it was like, they would use it to smoke hams, and then they have like this huge 
humongous like box. It's like pretty much like the size of this floor and it has like two levels and they put the corn in it and then underneath it they put, you know, like the wood to smoke it out and it just like permeates it and it's just like just want a beautiful like, smoky smell. It's yeah, my so favorite good. to make, it's my favorite to drink. Like I can't say enough good things about the smoked <laughs> corn whiskey. Like <laughs> So I wanna say the smoked corn Yeah. And then the, the caraway rye. There was like a variation of that in the beginning, but obviously since they've gotten better and better and better, and we actually have the smoked corn whiskey now aged, and it's our smoked bourbon. What what resonates with me, that every product that you're distilling is unique. You're not just making a vodka. Correct. You're not just making a gin. You're not just making a whiskey. And there's nothing wrong with those because... Every distillery is doing, you know, it could be difference in the water and the barrel and the yeast and, and all the components that you could come together with. But it's a caraway rye. It's a smoked corn whiskey. It's all different senses that you're putting together just to be a little bit unique, right? Yeah. Again, I think there's that purpose to say we're going to stand out. We're going to be different. Right. Yeah. Let's, 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 just, let's just take our creativity and put something different in the bottle. Yeah, we want to kind of like flex that creative muscle. And that's one of the things that I really love about working with 10th Ward is it's like, hey, what about this absolutely wild idea? Would this work? Like, could we could we make it work for us? You know, I have the freedom to ask that and to explore it and to, you know, possibly see it come about. Um, Like the conservation cordial. Oh, Um, God, I love that one. What's the conservation cordial? Everybody's face just lit up and I don't know. we still have bottles back there. We just bring one to show, right? Yeah, you can grab a bottle. Okay. Um, so we have, just starting out, so we have a bottle club. It's um, an exclusive membership where you sign up. It's free to join. You don't even have to pay a fee, but you get four exclusive bottles a year. And they're exclusive to bottle club members. Regular customers can't buy them. They can't taste them. They can't have a cocktail made they, with they them. Can, they can look it through the window, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, peer through so, the window. Yeah. So conservation, I think we released this April. And um, she can speak on it a little yeah. better, but it was made from invasive species, invasive species so, in the Chesapeake Peak watershed. Yeah. So I okay. So yeah. we're looking. At, so you brought out this bottle. Yeah. yeah. It's called Conservation Cordial. Yes. And it's made from invasive species. Yes, that's correct. All right. I'm. Not, so all right, from the I, I'm I mean, not I'm, only am I curious about the story, but there seems to be a closed seal on the bottle. Yes. So. I don't know. We'll have to work on that. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, um, so we, part of the Bottle Club offerings is we always have like a series and you can jump in at any time because I'm still um, making sure I get everything right. Sure. We have um, a set that um, is uh, kind of influenced like regionally. And so one of the things that I was, I was talking to Mark about is I had this kind of idea rattling around from grad school when we were talking about like urban ecology and my teacher was really going over a lot of the, um, a lot of the invasive species in the area. And it's just like, they just grow everywhere because you can't do anything with them. And it's like, but in this country they eat them or in this country they boil them down and they make a dye or whatever. And I was just like, why can't we, yeah, we you know, <laughs> why, yeah, like, why can't we, you know, like if you're going to live in my house, you're going to work. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to be here, we're going to figure out something to do with you. So we ended up using like white mulberry. We ended up using um, sumac. Sumac, yeah. Which is actually I'm a, poison. I'm allergic to. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. But, but you, I'm drinking. This is, but this no, is once fine. it's yeah. distilled, you're fine. And we have honey so honeysuckle and mimosa. And honeysuckle, you know, you love it. Like as a kid, you pick it off the you pick the it off bush. the branch and you just you know, and it's like, why can't we do something more with it? Like it's just this. So this is really your conception. 
Um, well, I had a hand so, in well, it, You guys yeah. are doing it together, but, but the idea of taking mm-hmm. these invasive wild species yeah. and then putting it into some sort of a fermentation process, mm-hmm. you know, and then distilling it, that's really, it's, it's come from your creativity in your mind. Yeah, so I guess I do have one that's on. I thought that. <laughs> it was right when the pandemic started. Everything was crazy then. But yeah, so I mean, it. I would love to see one from, you know, if we could, like one from every state. Like, that would be amazing. You know, like, like conservation like, series? Yeah, cool. like I would love to do that, something like that. That would be amazing. But yeah, so um, it was, it was a I didn't have as much hand working on it as I wanted to because that was right when the pandemic was kicking off and so I didn't really get to see um as much of it as I wanted to but I did get to have it and it the the way that I like to mix it up is a French 75 but I don't have a lot of bartending experience so I just make a little easy thing for myself at home but it it goes great with a lot of stuff so So what's the flavor profile like for this um it is kind of bitter um it's a little lemony um it's very herbal um I definitely get the honeysuckle note. And we did sweeten it with local honey, so it's not like like gross medicine. It's like kind of sweet. Um, And when you mix it with like, let's say like when I do the French 75, I used, um, I didn't use any simple syrup because it's already sweet, but I would use like a Prosecco and then I would put some like fresh squeezed lemon in it. And it's just very bright and bubbly and just, you know, it's like one of those medicines you take, Mm -hmm. but like I'm going to take a little extra because it's really good kind of thing. Like... (laughs) So this bottle club is free yeah. for anybody. It's free. Yeah. You just have to come in and pick up your bottle. You now, how many of these are you making, though? I mean, how many bottles oh, are you producing? Like how many? Because we I forget how many club members we have, but it's basically like one for every club member, and that's about it. Like, yeah. so that's why this one is sealed because somebody had ordered it and they have picked it up. It could oh, probably be too bad for like, them. Yeah. <laughs> it could be like from one fifty to three hundred, maybe. For yeah. Like a, cl- a bottle club run. It's, it's an very extremely limited. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Which obviously, as our club membership grows, can grow too. But um, usually, people will get a bottle or they'll reserve extra bottles because they know they won't last. Yeah, like now, and, and they're pre-sale. unique too. And yeah, this is this different. is really what stands out. Yeah. It's look. I mean, there are great bourbon releases. You know, you may do a four year. You could do a four year bottle in a bond. I mean, there are a lot of unique things you can do. Mm-hmm. But this is something that I've never yeah. seen anybody do. Yeah. So that's that's very unique. Well, then um, you might like. We did a pawpaw morrow. Yeah. Which was, was that December of last year, um, October of last year? Was it the fourth bottle? I want to say it was, it was. I know it was last year. Right, because I remember tasting it in January. I want to say it was December, maybe. So it was an Amaro that we infused with pawpaws, which are local to this region. Right, also. a local fruit. It's actually pawpaw season, and we just got out of pawpaw season right now. So you go forage for them in the woods, um, you know, and they're like, what do they call them? Like the. Maryland avocados or something because they're like ripe and then they're bad and then that's it like you you have to get them use them and you know it's this kind of like nice flavor I'm not as familiar with it as I want to be um, but the pop Morrow is good if you're somebody that really is into unique spirits mm-hmm. this is something that really yeah. can satisfy that curiosity yeah. for yeah. sure we also um, sometimes with all the breweries around town what we'll do is we work with them and if they have you know, a batch that didn't turn out the way that they wanted to, we'll take those, distill it down, and add our own twist to it. Like with the Atta brandy, we used um, beer from Attaboy. Um, we use a grapefruit IPA. Mm-hmm. And then we infuse it with blood orange and um, lavender, is it? No. 
It was blood orange and something else. Well, that just in the beginning, you throw grapefruit, blood orange, and it's as, easy drinking. It's yeah, delicious. Yeah, exactly. And it was a one-off. Like that's it because it was just a beer that they didn't like, and they're like, "Man, this isn't working for us." And we got it, and we just you know went to town on it. <laughs> so. I want to move here now because I feel like I'm missing out on so many good we'll things. We'll ship soon, hopefully. Okay. Yeah. All right. That whole membership, the yeah. whole bottle club, I'm yeah. holding you to that All shipping right. thing. All right. We're only two and a half hours Put away, it so it's not that far away. Go that should be at the top yeah. of your to-do list right now, I think. Yeah. Done. Done. What, what, do you want to, what do you want to taste first? What do you want to share? What do you want to introduce um, for those that haven't um, heard of Tenth Word and would like to you know, be exposed to some things? What, what should we share with them? I think we should go to the gym first. Yeah. We're going to go from light to dark. Okay. So this is the Geneva-inspired Geneva. Geneva. Thank you. Yeah. Some people say Geneva. Well, some people say Hanover. Hanover, Mark yeah. likes to say Hanover. All right. We can say that. Hanover. Yeah. And uh, the weirdo on that one is called Genevieve. Genevieve, yes. That doesn't sound She's too weird. She's a beautiful no. Victorian lady with, like, the juniper berries for a head. Mm-hmm. We love her. Yeah. So this one is nice. This batch is... Batch seven, so we kind of switched up the um, formula a little bit, and we tried to make this one a little bit more malty, so it was a little more pleasant and easier on the palate, not too sharp. But it will have the juniper flavor, but not the same way London Dry will. It's not bitey. Yeah. Not so are there botanicals in there as well? Are there? Yeah. Is there? So do you have a sense, or are you allowed to share what they are? Or is yeah, that proprietary? Yeah. So we have it on oh, the yeah. label. Um, so we use. Um, Angelica, orris, cardamom, elderflower, ginger root, persimmon, chicory root, and orange peel. Sounds delicious. Let's try it. Absolutely. Uh, we're, we're trying to get the, the pop of the, yeah. uh, the, the top <laughs> in there. Get the, the we, what, what was that called? We were just talking about the, uh, the audio a- sensory ASMR. ASR. ASMR. Yeah. ASMR. <laughs> yeah, we, we always like to hear the, the, the ice pouring, going in there and the pouring. And the popping of the bottle. Yeah, we just did that with, we just met with Plowman Cider, and he was great about opening the cans and, and pouring them into the bottles. So you, you talked about something that was a little more mellow. Mm-hmm. So how has this um, transitioned from, from the first couple batches that you've done, or where um, you are now? Based on, my, um, based on my tastings, the other ones were a little bit sharper, um, but this one is a little more, this one's going to be a little more malty, kind of a little bit, a teeny bit more implied sweetness than the other ones, but not very much so. It's still true to the original recipe. I, I get, obviously, the juniper mm-hmm. on the nose, but I also get, like, a bubblegum sweetness. But not the sweetness of a bubblegum, but just bubblegum itself. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, everybody has a different, that's you know, a nose to yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also, like, a little earthiness to the nose mm-hmm. um, nothing really you know as you as you go through nothing tremendously stands out maybe a little citrus to the nose yeah. but nothing nothing really is the standout faction there everything kind of plays together in the nose yes um, I believe this last round at the New York Spirit, New York International Spirits competition this won an award I'm sure did I I forget which one it was hang on Google we're gonna Google it we can Google. We're, we're Googling on the podcast. <laughs> we're Googling. We're going to use our Googliness. It's on our website. <laughs> yes, we do have them on there as well. Um, this is great because while you're Googling, I get to taste this. Ooh, that's okay. really good. Yeah. Yeah. It's like what, nice and kind of sweet. Kind of sweetness kind of builds. I like it because I'm not a gin person. 
And everyone, before we had Jennifer, everyone was like, when are you going to do a gin? When are you going to do a gin? And we were like, we're not, we're whiskey. We're whiskey and brandy. We're not gin. We're not, we're never going to do it. And Mark, and look at you. Mark was like, a Jennifer would be, would be awesome. Because it's not traditional. It's a little different. It's got that malted grain base. And it's made me really This is very easy. It. This is very. Uh, so uh, easy. Yeah. And um, it's nice to sip. What the? It, it's a pleasantness that really comes through in layers. You get the citrus mm-hmm. again. You get those botanicals to play with each other. Yeah. You're still getting the juniper through there. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what the proof is. I'm thinking it's, it's about 90. an 80 proof. It's 90. 90. Yep. So it doesn't come off uh-uh. hugely ethanol, but there is a little bit of bite there. What kind of cocktails are you producing with this? Oh wow, kind of cocktails. We do make a actually um, surprisingly, it makes a really great old fashioned. Oh, interesting. I haven't done that. Yeah, well, when I first, um, when I so first just a little bitters. On it, yeah, before I started working here, um, a little bit of a little bitters, some um, some simple syrup, um, and twist of orange. I think yeah, it is. yeah, good. and it just it's it fits really well. And I mean, it. I was very surprised because I was a huge London Drive fan before I started drinking this, and. I kind of prefer this now to the London Dry. The other one is a little, is a little too sharp now. Yeah. It's just kind of like dial it back. Yeah. This is one of the things, and, and again, the experience is we're heading into fall. Right. You've got the warmer days, but the cooler nights. And this is nice to just kind of relax and enjoy. I think it transitions nicely. But you can do this in the fall. summer, too. Yeah. So this we, is a good summer. Our summer menu definitely had more gin uh, cocktails. We had, like, I think our Genevieve Swizzle, which had... Um, our Jennifer, a coconut water, it had a butterfly pea simple syrup that we made. It was bright, it was fresh, it was super refreshing and just easy to drink. But I think we're focusing more on the autumn liqueur and the honey jack and the, and the aged whiskeys for fall. But that's the base of our um, our corpse reviver. So when it comes out in cans, that's going to be. It's funny because the, the the one that you may be ready the ready to drink cocktail that you're coming out with first yeah. was the product nobody wanted to make. And yeah, and now it's <laughs> funny. But it's just the way but like it's this. Nice though, because now we've got this whole other like population of people who are like, I'm just a gin person that we didn't speak to before, and now they're like, okay, maybe I'll try your other stuff, mm-hmm. and now we're really... Yeah, I was never an invasive species right? drinker either, <laughs> but look at me now. I'm going to start collecting them for you. Yeah. So what's... Did you come up with the uh, the awards that you won? The oh, yeah. uh, um, What was bestowed upon you? I know that we won a gold. We are Maryland's uh, Absinthe Distillery of the Year. Um, one um, Honey Jack has won several awards for yes. um, uh, it's the label and the spirit. Your label should win awards all the time. <laughs> well, we do have some hanging on the bar as well. So, like every time we win an award, we you hang the we hang it up. Yeah, you so hang the medal. You can come see it. Yeah, exactly. until you can't see the bottle anymore because you won That's so many the goal, medals. Yes, right. <laughs> all right, so I got Gin won double gold at five stars. From the Gin is In, it won bronze from the San Francisco World Spirit Competition and bronze for the New York International Spirits Competition, um, and those were all for 2020. And that was our first year with it, so we're excited to have placed our first year mm-hmm. and looking to improve next year. I think it's a great spirit. I don't know what you would do to improve that. 
Um, and if it if it gets even better, uh, I think just awesome. maybe the maybe the judges warming up to us. Okay. Yeah, so it's not the yeah. it's not the spirit. It's, it's the, spirit. the judges we yeah. need to work on, right? So what's next that you want to um, bring out? Um, you want to go with the honey jack? I think we should go honey jack. Okay. Now talk about the honey jack. What are we going to be drinking? So honey jack is actually a spirit um, distilled from honey. So most people are familiar with mead, which is distilled from honey. But we take mead and then we distill that down. So more. somebody, another, and there's a, a mead producer. Mm-hmm. Who's producing the mead for you? Orchid seller. Orchid seller meadery. They're in Middletown. Okay. How far is that from here? Thirty Just minutes. Thirty minutes. Thirty minutes. Okay. Yeah, beautiful drive. Yeah, it's beautiful. Too. They have so many different types of mead, and I always thought mead. Was like the syrupy, sweet honey, yeah. like wine, or that something was that Vikings like, drink, like uh, at the Renaissance, at the Renaissance but, Festival, right? But uh, I goes to show you, um, I was just ignorant to it. There are so many different types of mead. You can have a dry mead, just like a, like a dry wine, and or the sweet one. So it's a really cool experience if you've, if you've never been there. I would definitely go. The it's Renaissance fun. event, right? No. Or, 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 oh, okay. I'm yeah, thinking, yeah. Let's dress up like we're doing the Renaissance. <laughs> I yeah. do like the Renaissance. Um, but then we distill the mead and barrel age it in a white American oak barrel for about, what, 10 months? And it's new American, so this nothing yeah. else was in this Correct. barrel before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, here's a question. Do you take that barrel and you send it back to the meadery for them to age a different mead product? I don't know if we've given them a used honey jack barrel, but maybe other barrels. Okay. Yeah. Or we've given the honey jack to somebody else. We, we rotate and trade and slide barrels around wineries, breweries, and distilleries all mm-hmm. the time. Yeah, so depending on what was in it, that's kind of who it's going to yeah. go to and what they need. So, I mean, it, they, they go all over the place. It's yeah. like a book return almost. <laughs> hey, look, the barrel's back. Yeah. <laughs> I was really excited because Dawn and I love mead, and yeah. one of the things I've never had distilled mead before. You get... Yeah. Meat on the nose. Mm-hmm. You get you get the honey. You get the little earthiness to it. Yeah. There's a little smokiness that's coming through from the barrel. So this is really nice. Mm-hmm. And nobody's. I, I, again, I'm going to say nobody's doing this. And there's probably a number of distilleries, but we've never had this before. So this is a very unique product. And people always, when we when we initially when we um, tell them about it, they're like, "Oh, like that honey whiskey. What's it called? Jack Honey." Oh. um... Um, Jack Daniels. Jack Daniels yeah, honey. yeah. No, it's and it's absolutely not. not like it's that. not. It's not like no, that at that's all. whiskey with honey. Like this is, this yes. is a spirit from honey. Yeah. Like wow. And we've so actually had a lot of we've had some feedback regarding um, people who are normally bourbon drinkers. They tend to gravitate. This is. The honey. I would yeah, tell I you. Old fashions with that. Yeah. This does have a, a characteristic of of a bourbon. It really and and probably because of the barrel aging is what gives it that mm-hmm. characteristic. But this is amazing. This is delicious. Yeah. Like whoever soft. whoever stumbled yeah. into this and did this, kudos to them. It is. It yeah. Is awesome. I don't remember how it got started. It was already in production when I yeah. got here, but I love it. It's great. But I will tell you, because of the mead and the sweetness of the mead, it does have characteristics of like a Jack Daniels honey. Yeah. It really does. Mm-hmm. Without the sweetness of it. Um, and, and what's the proof on this one? Is it 80 proof? Yeah. Okay. So it's really mellow, nice, easy sipper. And uh, what... What cocktail? Because I love your cocktail. So what cocktails are you making with this? you have some things you're putting together? So originally we didn't have a cocktail on the menu for it because it was such a limited uh, release. We would do it once or twice a year, very short run, but we we just started offering it pretty much year-round. So we have a fall cocktail cocktail, um, 
with the autumn and the honey jack, and we're making a hot malt cider, with, which we do in-house. We get the cider from McCutcheon's, um, which is a couple blocks away. They make apple products. And then we do all of the mulling with the spices. The now, is McCutcheon's club. a cidery? Or, I mean, hard, hard like, apple cider or like, hard cider? No, they just do apple cider, apple butter. Yeah. They have, like, their other, own orchards and then yeah. all the products you can make from those apples. And then, like, assorted other things that they have yeah. as well, like beets. And, but also, McCutcheon's apples are what we use for our brandies, which are the basis of our liqueurs as well. So, like, um, the summer, mm-hmm. the spring the fall, the winter, all of those have an apple brandy base from McCutcheon's apple cider, fresh pressed, and then we also use um, their apple cider for Britain's brandy, um, which is our February limited release, um, and that is a apple brandy infused with um, fresh cherries, and it is in collaboration with the Civil War Medicine Museum across the street, um, and it is used, it is following a Civil War era recipe Get out of here. So Dr. Britton made the brandy, and that's what he would use to kind of um, barter with the soldiers and the generals and stuff like that. So that's his uh, recipe that we use. Was there something, I mean, what was the what were the medicinal properties of that? Or it was just, hey, I'm making this in my well, back I mean, room. And, the I mean, story I guess is that the, he would bribe people yeah, for would, tools and he would other things yeah i mean honestly like the medicinal properties of brandy are like if it hurts you don't care um or it'll make you pass out i guess but <laughs> well I, I think when, when we talk about medicine yeah. and it's the medicine museum for the civil war medicine museum <laughs> when we th- when i think about that i'm thinking about well you know if i have to do surgery yeah i have these spirits on hand to kind of numb the pain a little bit yeah. um, or clean or you're using it to cleanse I mean you have to think about it. back yeah. then they did not sterilize stuff right no I think that there's a little too much sugar in there that you could use it to clean something it'd probably make it worse yeah though. so oh, really? in the, the traditional <laughs> Civil War era style recipe they use white sugar so yeah. we, we ring true to that and add white sugar although we don't do that for any of our other spirits mm-hmm. but um, you keep mentioning a new distilled <laughs> product every time you talk we about something new you yeah. have a lot but again you're making things that I don't think anybody is really approaching, and and that is interesting and it's fascinating. It makes it, it really it's always is. fun. It's always new. Yeah, it's always something to look forward to. Keeps like when we got yeah. excited about the conservation cordial, we just had our mid-year um, meeting in July to plan for next year. So we have pretty much all of our releases already planned out. We were all like, "Oh my God, yes! We can't wait for next November." <laughs> yeah, we're already looking at different um, herbs and things. It was like, check the FDA list. What do they classify as edible? We're gonna use it. You know that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, we're ready. It's not just showing up and distilling. Mm-hmm. You're really getting, and this is what craft is about, right? right. Mm-hmm. It's it's taking all kinds of different mediums, all kinds of different products, and deciding and figure out what can we do with this. Somebody's never really played with this a little bit. What can we do with this yeah. to, to create a spirit that, that might be something that is so unique and so much fun? You get to enjoy doing that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, it's not just coming away. Look, you were a teacher. Yeah. I mean, you were teaching science, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I mean, the elements and things like that. I, I should have paid more attention to science because of the distilling side of things. I could have learned that. Sure. Yeah. But this isn't just coming in and teaching the same thing. Right. This is really playing and being I mean, fun. This is and really applying what you know, and I mean all those mistakes that you would make in lab, and you're like, oh my gosh, what happened? What did I do? 
how do I go back? Do I want to recreate it? How do I avoid it? It's like all that stuff and you're actually applying it every day. We've got some smoked bourbon. Now this is great because when we were here, again, we didn't have yeah. any of these products. Yeah. So it was like, I know we had the absinthe. Um, I don't, I really honestly don't remember, but this smoked bourbon. So talk about how that's created. So the smoked bourbon is from our um, white corn whiskey, um, the smoked whiskey, I'm sorry. Um, and so what we do is we put it into a new make barrel, number four, number four. Mm -hmm. and then we age it for, this one is what, like five months, I want to say? So is this in a 20, uh, uh, five gallon no, barrel right now? The it's in the 55. 55. Mm -hmm. So this is only going to be aged for five months? We're working on a straight bourbon. Yeah. Okay. We're, but we intermittently release the shorter term mm -hmm. one until we get there. We okay. have a lot of people asking that. about, like, do you have anything aged? Do you have anything aged? And um, so we're trying to work on working up to uh, a longer right, duration. Right, because there's a lot of money in a barrel yeah. when you just have it sitting there. Yeah. But you're using a 50-gallon barrel for only five months. That's a lot of investment in the wood. So what are you doing with the barrels afterwards that you're just using a five-month barrel for? We sell it. We keep it for It becomes decoration. We share it with a friend in the industry. I actually just sold a barrel, two barrels, actually. Uh, one was our smoked bourbon. One was our started rye to Mad Science Brewing. He was going to do, I forgot what he was going to do. And the Stouted Rye, I believe that was That's a, number three. Right. Yeah. And that was a, that was a barrel that was finished in stout? Um, um, I think it was, I don't know if it, I think it was the original new make one, not okay. the stouted one. Oh, never mind. Okay. Yeah, so just our Maryland Rye then. Here's the thing, but, you have so much going on, it is easy to get confused by what might be happening. Yeah, yeah. People taking barrels, people dropping off barrels, like yeah. you said. There's always something going on. There's something going on. Yeah. yeah. You're loving that one, aren't you? Oh, this, alright, <laughs> so I yeah. smell... It's so good. It, it's, it's a campfire. Campfire. It literally barbecue. is a camp, Right. Mm -hmm. I want a pork yes. sandwich. Put the barb in there. <laughs> and like sandwich. when you're sitting at the campfire and then the smoke kind of blows exactly. in your direction. And you're just, whew, that's what, that's what this is. I, like I but, but it's not an over, it's, it's, it's not overwhelming. It's not, it's not stifling. But it's you can just, you could just sit here and just nose this and just feel like it's a crisp fall. It's a crisp summer. It's just still there. Mm -hmm. Um, you can almost smell like when when the when the wood becomes embers, mm, and you like get that to that crackle. point. Yeah, it's starting to smoke a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I love this so much. <laughs> <laughs> so the smoked corn is super popular and was super popular before we released the bourbon. For being a white whiskey, people went crazy for it. It's eighty percent smoked corn, twenty percent malted barley, and that smoke from that blend that our farmer uses is just so special. It's a sweet smoke. Yeah. It, it's almost like a toffee yep. smoke. Like a little bit of caramel kind of. Yeah. Um, or, and, and I think while a lot of people would say, oh, you know, five months in a barrel, it's, they might have this opinion about it. Sure. I feel like that was exactly the amount of time that this should have rested for. You get the you get a little oakiness, you get the dryness, you get some of the tannins there, mm -hmm. but it doesn't really compete too much because you don't want to overwhelm the smokiness, yes. right? Because the first word there is smoked bourbon, mm -hmm. so you want this isn't a bourbon that's smoked; it's a smoked bourbon, and I think it really comes through as it's described. I like yeah. that. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't actually looked at it like that before, but I like that. Yeah, 
So for those that have, um, like, like a, you know, are, are gravitating towards a peated whiskey, you've, you've got the marriage. If you're a bourbon drinker, you've got a little bit of that for the bourbon drinker. If you're a nice peated whiskey drinker, go you've this. got yeah. that too. Yeah. And again, I could see, you know, just all you need to do is if you want to throw a little bit of uh, bitters in here, maybe a little, again, we always go back to the old fashioned yeah. because it is the cocktail that really emphasizes the quality of the spirit. Right. And then you just kind of add a little bit of flavor to it to enhance it. Yeah. yeah. This, this is just, and, and again, I, as I sit here and the smokiness just kind of, I almost feel right, like right now is, if you're a cigar smoker, oh yeah, this is for you. Mm-hmm. I can feel like I just had a cigar, yeah, without feeling like I just was consumed. <laughs> yeah, and to those cigar drinkers, you know, you have those that you know you're really going to be drinking a bold cigar, but this really satisfies the cigar drinker as well. Yeah, this this is best neat for me. I don't wanna, I don't wanna put anything else in it. I just love it the way. It I want to, I want to taint it. Yeah, and we're at ninety proof for this, mm-hmm. and I will tell you. It doesn't drink as 90 proof. And no. I, my, mentally, before I look at the numbers, I'm thinking we're about an 80, 84 proof. Mm-hmm. So that the the, um, the ethanol, the, the, the high proof doesn't come through. Right. So, I can feel like that for our white whiskeys. I, yeah. They don't, I don't, I don't know, that's because we drink them all the time and we're used to it. I, I never felt like, okay, 90 proof, that's going to be, it's going to be hot, but it's super flavorful at the same time. Yeah. I mean, and, the, the Denver is a little more peppery, but even still, it doesn't have that, like, huge, just, yeah, bite of ethanol right at the front. And that was another thing I know Monica and Mark really wanted to focus on before they put anything in a barrel. They wanted it to be really good white. They wanted it to shine on its own. They didn't want to put a crappy whiskey in a barrel and hope that fixed it, you right. know? So, they wanted it to be delicious and drinkable as a white whiskey, and then just becomes enhanced by some some wood in time. See, that's the secret. You touched on it perfectly. If you create a high quality spirit, yeah. Once you put it in a barrel, it's only going to be enhanced. If you, you know, exactly what you said. Mm-hmm. If you try to fix it through a barrel, you're still stuck yeah. with no, that with that wrong start. Yeah. You started wrong. Mm-hmm. You're not going to fix wrong. So, this is this is really nice. Now. You are the Maryland Absinthe Distillery of the Year, mm-hmm. um, and and I think this has been a flagship from the start. This yes. is really why why absinthe. Why was absinthe so important? Why not? Okay, <laughs> so, because it's weird. It's misunderstood. There's so much story and lore, lore and, and hype yeah. um, surrounding it that we were like, we have to. Like, we can't can't be afraid of this like we have to teach people about it and that's another big thing we're like big on education teaching people about spirits and how to drink it responsibly and absinthe is one of those things where if you've heard someone has drank it before they've usually drank it incorrectly or taken shares of it in college or caught it on flyer or they don't remember doing it at all or they just said that's the last thing i remember yeah that's not what it's for it's a concert conversational sipper it's a production you've got our fountain you're supposed to dilute it it's like a whole thing and it's a nice ritual it's beauty it's it's gorgeous it's not something to be rushed right so we took our own twist on it. So now, what's the twist? So, absinthe, to be a true absinthe, which this is, it has to be made, which is, it's called the Holy Trinity of absinthe. It has to be anise, fennel, and wormwood. Those are the three ingredients that Now, people are always afraid of, wor- afraid of wormwood. Right, what's, so that's, right? that's the myth. Those are the stories. So, 
back in the day when absinthe was like super popular, the wine industry used to make up stories about absinthe that it'd make you go crazy and you'd lose your mind, or they were mixing drugs with it. Opium was also paired with absinthe a lot, so you weren't going a little cuckoo. Um, wormwood has some toxicity, it's true, but not in a type of level that would ever make you sick from even if you drank a bunch of absinthe. Um, it's not hallucinogenic at all, it's just a bitter herb. You want to say anything else about wormwood? No, yeah, no you pretty much said it. <laughs> um, and then anise and fennel have some obvious like licorice notes. Anise tends to be a bit, little bit sweeter, and fennel is a little bit more seedier and savory, and then together... It's just this delicious combination. But like you said, to make it ten pour, we added some additional herbs to kind of make it our own, to balance out those flavors. I, so to make it tenth work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you tenth yeah, worded it. it. Weird. <laughs> yeah. We've added um, some chamomile tea, yep. some hyssop and chrysanthemum, bergamot peel and lemon balm. So yes. five additional herbs. You get kind of mintiness, some some citrus, you get some really nice herbal notes, and it's just so good for absinthe drinkers. I mean, yeah. there are, you know, there are people that love. I mean, and if you have, it's the same thing. I think absinthe is the same thing with gin, because as you touched on, it, it gets a bad rap. Yeah, it does. Gin gets a bad rap because you had gin in college, right. and you oh, just God. had that bad gin, yeah. right? <laughs> right. I mean, we talk about it. It comes yeah. up just about in every podcast about gin. Absinthe, I think, in a lot of ways is the same way. Yeah. Because it's one of those things where when you have it, you don't drink it correctly. Or you don't drink a good absinthe. Sure. And people who really gravitate and like an absinthe, this is for them. This is something that they really want to add or try and, and bring to what they're yeah. doing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so it's 140 proof straight from the bottle. So it's absolutely not meant to be drank straight. You're not going to sip on it neat. Although we do have customers that do, and that's fine. That's their prerogative. But we like to dilute it with ice water, usually at a 3 to 1 ratio. So how are we going to do this? Yeah, I mean, so you want to, you wanna, I can set it up. This is like, so yeah. we've got the, okay. the traditional absinthe drip. Yep, we got our absinthe fountain that's filled with ice water. So I've been letting this sit this whole time, so it's going to be really nice and cold. And then we're going to put in, I'll do about an ounce here in the bottom of our fountain. These are branded goblets. Goblet. Oh, they have branded goblets because you just can't use... Can't use a red. You can't use just a, an off-the-market goblet. Alright, so when you So you poured about an ounce and a half, I would say. Yeah, maybe, a little bit more than an ounce. Maybe it, two ounces. Just filling up here is about an ounce, so I, yeah. Ounce and a half to two ounces. Okay. Um... You want to dilute it, one, because it brings the proof down and makes it drinkable. You actually will be able to taste the flavors and the herbs and the botanicals and all that good stuff. But it also actually brings out all the flavors that are embedded in the spirit. So right now, all the fats in the herbs are really clinging to all those alcohol molecules. But once we introduce water, they're going to kick off the alcohol and try to mix with the water. And that's when you notice that... Absinthe. Oh, you you can see it get yeah, it'll, the oils separate, right? Disperse, and yeah. Move around, and it becomes this really kind of cloudy, opalescent, murky kind of really pretty green. You can really see it so pretty. We call um, it the louche. The louche. Mark says the la louche. La louche. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you want to do it slowly. That, you don't want to that rush was it. a reference from, um, and now I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> um, Bull Durham. Oh, Nuke, sure Nuke Lelouch. So now, if you want to know where he pulled okay. that up, that's that was Nuke yeah. Lelouch. We'll let him know. Yeah. So, is there amount of water you're really striving for right now? Well, usually 
three parts is is um, three parts water, one part absinthe is traditional, but I usually just go by color. Okay. Um, I know when it's cloudy and kind of milky, milky looking. Why is it important to do the drip versus I could just add three, four ounces of water right in there? Why is the drip so important? Because if you notice, it actually kind of jolts the water a little bit, so that helps kind of break up those molecules. It also is nice to do it nice and slowly so the fats and the oils actually have time to move around. Um, if you don't have a fa fancy fountain at home, which most people don't, you can just have some ice cubes in there and let them dilute over a little bit of time, but you have to be really patient. Okay. Yeah. But slow and cold is preferred. Or if you don't have a fountain, they also have like a little dripper that'll just sit on top of your glass so it can just be for one instead. A lot of fountains have two or four arms for multiple. I mean, I've seen it, and this is wonderful because the concept and why you're doing it and what you're being purposeful about and understanding this is how absinthe should be right. Should be consumed, right. should be drank. Right, and before COVID, we would actually bring this to your table if you got absinthe. We'd show you how to use the fountain, we'd let you take care of it. I usually say, do about half and half and taste it. If you want to add more water, you can. We have the option to do sugar if you want to sweeten it, which we would put the slotted spoon Right, so top. why, is it just to kind of mellow out the bitiness? If, if you like right? sweetness, we usually say if you add sugar to your coffee, you'll probably want to add sugar to your absinthe. If you like the black coffee, you probably won't. It's just... I add, oat, add. I add oat milk to my coffee well, nowadays. Well, then you, you <laughs> might not. Oat milk's not that sweet. I think that's a good place to stop. No, I don't think we want to add that there. Yeah. That's perfect. So then you got kind of like... You know, here's the thing, and one of the things I, I get from that is you can smell that. You can really, and yeah. I would tell you that was about, you know, four feet away, three feet away from me, but I could still smell the the absinthe in the air. So that's another sensory yeah. opportunity you have by just doing this ritual or this function of what you're doing. And another, another sensory thing that we like to highlight is... Um, Notice how it makes your mouth feel when you drink it. It kind of gets, not like a numbing, but kind of like a slight tingly. I like it. I think one of the things I also like about Deluche is that you don't have to feel like I need to rush to drink it because after a while it's going to fall out. You can walk back to it. Two hours later, it'll still be milky. It will not fall out of suspension. So it's going to stay this way, and you can come back to it. You don't have to just kind of like rush through it. It for fear that it's going to go bad or it's gonna, not going to taste the way that it, you wanted it to. Although we do do an absent louche in February for fire and ice. So that is... Out front. So, so, that, so some of you take a big that. block of ice, right? Yeah. Right. Okay. And it's a, they carve it. It's an, it, they do an absent fairy. And, and then she we, have a, we have an ice chute going through her, and so we pour the... We collect it in a shot glass, though. Yeah, not, we, co we collect it underneath. You, so you're not, you're not, like, not, like, you're not laying right. back. You're not laying back. Yeah. And... That people yeah. it doesn't become Carlos and Charlie's. No, right? <laughs> people love that. That's like hope we, hope we can do that again in February. I don't know. I so I will think? say, and, and and this is a compliment, and and just one of the things again that stands out is you don't just get the drinking experience, but we're also getting the nose experience, and every one of these is just very enjoyable to take your time and just enjoy the nose of all the spirits you're producing. Love it. I and I'm. I hate black licorice, Same. like black jelly beans and ew, black ew, licorice ew. candy. I would always pick those out. But the way the other herbs play with the anise and the fennel balances now, so nicely. 
Did I? And, and again, mm-hmm. I, I, it's almost like you can smell the tea in there. The chamomile? Yeah, I mean, you really get a sense of that as well. So it's yeah, not that overwhelming tannic, fennel yeah. or licorice. You you do get it. Redu- you get that in the nose as well. Yeah. It's funny. I like so we do tours on Saturday and um, we do just an in depth tasting. We do kind of like this, but we do it with the group um, and we you know look at the spirit flavor wheel and go, okay, what are you guys tasting? What are you guys smelling? And people are they're they're smart. They can always pretty much get the tea. Yeah. yeah, they're like they know there's a it's tea there. In it. oh, it's right they there. They might not get chamomile, but they say I think there's tea or like a white tea. No, that's that's impressive. really prominent. Mm-hmm. What is the future for Tenth Ward? What does that look like right now? I mean, amidst that we talked about coming out of COVID, um, you know, if you got your event space upstairs, you got the ready to drink. You know, if there's a if there's a couple year plan, five year yeah. plan, what does that look like right now? Um, we're definitely going to expand our still house. We're hoping to do that at the beginning of this next year um, to a really large space so we can expand production. Much um, more barrel-aged, a lot more room for um, aging spirits. Mm-hmm. We definitely want to start working on putting more of those out. We want to also have more um, more spirits constantly in production instead of starting one, finishing it, starting the next one. We want to be able to stack them and constantly be putting something out. Now, you mentioned you've got your next year already planned. Do you have some highlights there that you, you want to, you know, kind of give people a sneak peek of what they may expect when they're coming to Frederick or, you know? Yeah. I, so so we have three different la- layers of releases. We've got our club releases, we have our um, our seasonal releases, and then we have our one-offs, which are like the, what did we do? Like, like the Atta Brandy, the Atta Boy beer um, that we do once and then never again. So I don't remember exactly where I'm pulling from, but I know one we're going to try to do a barreled aged or barreled rye. I mean, a rum, barrel aged rum. Yeah, that's something. Um, and we have a barrel. We have a, a barrel blue gin. A what? A blue? Did you say a blue gin? Oh, I think a blue gin is on there. I don't I know why it's blue though, yet, but, but it's going to be blue. That's going to be fun. Yeah. I, I think what really gets emphasized is here that. This isn't just your, again, this isn't just, hey, we're a distillery. I, I think it really emphasizes the creativity and what you're producing is very exciting. Yeah. So for, you know, those that are, you know, within the area of Frederick, how do people find you? Where do they go? How do, you know, social media, how do people find you? Yeah, we have a pretty strong social media presence. So Facebook and Instagram, we're pretty active. Is it 10th Ward Distillery Company? It's or? at 10th Ward Co. Okay, at yeah. 10th Word yep. Co. Um, so we're, we post daily. Um, our website is always up to date. We always keep that um, updated with happenings, releases, events. So 10thworddistilling.com is a good place to find us. Um, we always it's list if we're doing offsite events, markets, festivals. Very responsive as well. So if you have any questions that aren't answered by the information already up there, feel free to reach out. Yeah. There's like email addresses there. We're we're really good at responding. You give us a call, send us a message. And what's the address? This is fifty five East Patrick Street. Okay. Patrick. And this is where you can pick up bottles, yes. tastings right now, mm-hmm. and cocktails as well. Even Even to be able to supplies, some swag. Yeah. Um, information. Uh, bar materials, bar mixers, glassware. We have it all. I have a question for you, Conchenta. Yes. You started out as a teacher. Mm-hmm. You got to work in a brewery. Yes. Now you're a an assistant distiller. Yes. What's it feel like for you to go home at the end of the day and say to your husband, 
I got to make this. <laughs> it feels really, really, really. I mean, I see your face yeah. light up. I mean, one of the things is when, when we talk, Amanda, I mean, you love what you do. You guys really enjoy what you do. Yeah. Um, but but this sense of, you know, I needed a, I needed something else. I wanted to make sure I took care of my daughter and, and was available. Yeah. But you're really producing some things that are, you know, very interesting, and you're a part of growing something that is that is bigger than yourself. It feels like bragging when I get home. Does it? Like, oh yeah, it's like when oh, you and I did. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, I get home. He's like, "Oh, how was your day?" And it's like, "Oh man, I had to do this, and you know, this thing busted up, and I had to work on this spirit, and you know, it wasn't just coming out the way I wanted, and I had to proof it up, and you know, add this infusion, and it's just like, oh man, it's so much fun to talk about. I feel like I'm speaking in another language sometimes. <laughs> For sure. I get that a lot. I have to tell you, this has been a treat for us. And we, we said, let's go back to Frederick. Let's spend some time there, visit some of the distilleries we, we've been to. We, we said, hey, we would love to have you on the podcast. We are grateful for your time. And, you know, really importantly, for, for Monica and Mark and, and taking, the, taking the chance and Monica throwing all of her savings in to build this, she's providing a great community-based yeah. Business that employs people, that creates jobs, that creates interest, that creates enthusiasm for people who work here to do what you do. And we're grateful that you got to share that story. And and we, we, we you know, we're here now, but we can't wait to come back and you know yeah, maybe absolutely. maybe try to find a way to get on that bottle membership bottle. program. Yeah, it's free. We'll ship it to you eventually. Yeah. Okay. So again, thank you so much for this and taking time to sit down with us. Is there anything though that we didn't touch on for the? the podcast that you want to mention? I think so. Now, you think we got it all? I think we got it all. All right. Well, let's enjoy the spirits. Come to 10th Ward Distillery Company. This is a treat. You'll get to sit down and meet some great people and phenomenal spirits. Thanks, guys. Thank you.